Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. I help people get it done in the sense of achieving their dreams of home ownership. Getting it done can mean so many things. It can come in all shapes and sizes. This podcast is about that central theme, getting it done, whatever that may be. In the future, we're going to have guests talk about their own personal experiences in getting it done, how they overcame adversity to achieve their dreams. Once again, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and I'll be your host, and this is our story. All right, everybody, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Today, we have a uh, mentor of mine, a, uh, a social mentor of mine, close personal friend, Sarah Rubin. She is the uh, Mid-Atlantic Regional Marketing Director uh, for Fairway. And uh, she has her own podcast called Homegrown. It's about uh, marketing for the housing professional. Sarah, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. So uh, we like to uh, add to the edification that uh, I just set you up with. Would you add to uh, anything that, uh, is there anything I left out in, uh, in your setup? No, you, uh, you set it up perfectly. And, you know, this is just so fun to do this with you. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. So I think we're going to cover a variety of different things today, um, specifically in regards to marketing, because I think that that's just our space and mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, while we're on a, on a call, I mean, why not talk about things that, you know, we're, <laughs> we're actually really good at or, or have something sure. to say about? Uh, but really, this is about your come up story. And I use uh, Elon Musk, Musk as an example. He's the richest man in the world. And we, uh, he has a story from going from, you know, a millionaire to richest man in the world. But it's really the setup to that story, the, uh, the zero to a million story that we call the come yeah. up. Story. And we like to, you know, start with going all the way back. So Sarah, uh, where were you born is the best place to start <laughs> Sure. So I was born in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and grew up in a town right outside of the city um, called Brookline. And I spent my whole life growing up there until I kind of left and went to college. Okay. Uh, Boston. You don't have a Boston accent, though. No, I worked very hard to get rid of that when I went to college. I knew I wanted to be in marketing and communications and for me, I felt like it was very important that I sounded neutral no matter where I was. Um, so I worked very, very hard to get rid of that Boston accent. Can you can you do the Boston accent though? Oh, could I? Yes. Typically, you only see it when I get really, really angry or <laughs> maybe have had a little bit too much fun. <laughs> like, like too much to drink, too much fun? Like too much to drink. Those are okay. the only two times when I don't control it. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. What did what, what did you model it after, by the way? Like, what did is it is it midwestern? Is it like basically like is that what you 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 try to uh, you try to mirror when you get rid of a Boston accent? How do you do? No, that? I think I just really decided I didn't want to drop my R's anymore, and I pronounced them. Um, and you know, there are absolutely a few words where it still comes out. So I I definitely say Florida instead of Florida or orange instead of orange. But other than those, you know, I've, I've done a pretty good job at uh, trying to just make it not an accent at all. <laughs> okay, well, tell us about uh, growing up in, in, in Boston. What was it like uh, being Sarah? And, and so what, I guess, what's your maiden, maiden name? My maiden name is Slotnick. Um, and, you know, I guess my life is kind of boring in the, in the, honest truth of it all. I had a very picturesque childhood. I grew up as an only child with two loving parents and um, a wonderful family who provided and gave me everything I needed. And so from that sense, I guess it was rather boring. But when I look back at it as an almost 30 year old, um, I think it was a setup for my adult life. So really, um, I was the little kid that was taken to open houses on the weekends. I was the little kid that understood that if you hustled seven days a week, you got what you wanted and you 
hard work paid off. And I think all of those really positive role models in my childhood allowed for my adult life and my career to really unfold in a different way than perhaps it would have if my parents had been in something different or if, um, I don't know, maybe just any experience that had been different. I mean, wow, that sounds great. What did, so positive role models. That's so cool. You went to open houses. That's so sweet. I, I, <laughs> I do, I take Raphael to closings and I'm just, I'm just thinking like, how does that affect him long-term? It's cool that you're saying stuff like this, but what did, what did, as a positive role model, what did, what did your parents, what did they do? Yeah. So my dad was in insurance um, prior to retirement and um, my mom is a loan originator. She's a branch manager. She um, has been with Fairway as well for I think what's coming up on 14 years. So um, I kind of grew up in this industry, um, not in marketing by any means, but in mortgages. And I think that was just a really interesting perspective as I started in my career with Fairway. How did, I have to ask, so uh, your dad does insurance and your mom is a loan officer. Did they meet in the industry somehow? They did not. No, they were actually, they met in high school and started dating in college. I mean, you're <laughs> right. What a, you, you described it as pic, picturesque. I mean, okay, so high school sweethearts, married, only child, <laughs> and you're the product of that. And I did, did they work a lot with each other doing insurance or was it like life insurance type stuff? Yeah, my dad did mostly car and life, so not okay. a ton, some homeowners, um, but not they didn't work together so, so much. Okay, so it's really, it's your mom that was, you know, paying visits to open houses, mm -hmm. just bringing yep. you along with. Um, yeah. do, describe that, describe doing that with her. What was, what was that like? Sure, I think if I, if I think about the lessons first, um, the biggest things it taught me was how to converse with anyone. So as a five-year-old and you're talking to realtors, you have to learn how to have a conversation with adults. You can't, and sure, technology existed, but not my iPhone or my iWatch. But so there was, I couldn't just color. I had to learn right. how to converse. I had to learn how to talk to anyone in any situation. And that a smile goes a really long way if you simply just are friendly and personable and get to know people, you can be really successful. So whether it was helping um, in those days, set up, you know, lunches or um, just kind of walking through the house with my mom and the realtor or whatever it might be. Um, it just taught you how to be an adult a lot earlier in terms of your communication style, not necessarily in terms of the work or anything like that. I absolutely still got to be a kid and run around the house, but I think for little for little kids or for parents who are looking at a house for little kids, seeing a child in an open house is kind of a cool experience for them. And for me, it taught me how to be well-versed in talking to different people from different walks of life. That's really cool. I mean, and so, okay. Like you had to learn how to have fun also by doing yeah. a walk. I mean, you know, that, which is kind of fun for an adult, but if you're a kid, like it's not coloring, it's not like what my kid, my kid's three. So you're describing yeah. it five. So, I mean, I'm not the parent of a five-year-old yet. So as you're describing this, I'm thinking like there's hope for this maybe one day that my kid yeah. would be good enough for this, but like, there's not, it's not like you're playing with trucks. So you have to have fun with it and, and, and do it. Do, do you remember any unique special house that you did a walkthrough on? I don't remember any specific house. I do remember a lot of the specific realtors though. I remember a lot of, you know, running in and saying, I want to talk to auntie or uncle, whomever. And they were, they were just realtors. They weren't related to me. Um, but it just <laughs> taught me how to really establish those relationships. Right. And my mom will say, I don't know if I ever was a real kid. I not because they didn't want me to be a kid. They would always say like, don't you want to play with kids your own age? And I'd say, no, I want to talk to the adults. Um, right. But I think I just loved that social aspect. I loved that getting to meet people and talk to people. Um, so I suppose it's really no surprise I got into a business of helping people connect with other people, but um, I don't remember a specific house. I do remember a lot of specific people. Uh, that's actually, I'm, I'm really glad I asked that question because I, I kind of thought that would lead to like a, a specific house, but no, you remember the people and yeah. 
your aunties and uncles. That's so funny because like, I feel like I'd be totally telling Raphael, Hey, go, you know, that's auntie, you know, or uncle so-and-so. Right. You know, go say hello. Oh, hi, auntie or uncle. And I could just <laughs> see, you know, and then like, and of course they do, they remember the kid more than they remember you probably more, more times totally. than not. Um, and I think as I think about it from a marketing perspective, which definitely was not the inter, like was not the, hope of my mom when she brought me it was it's a Saturday I want to spend the day with my kid I'm going to bring her to my open house but when I think about it from a marketing perspective now um, you know people choose to work with people I say it all the time that's what I teach every one of my loan officers when we're talking about marketing is you have to be relatable you have to be a human first and if I'm in a home that's perfect for a five-year-old and the family can see themselves with their kids living there, they're going to remember you as that loan officer. They're going to remember the little kid that was running around. And now when I first entered Fairway, I was working for my mom, I'm no longer. But when, when I was, I went with her to do a bunch of presentations as a marketing person. And so many of those realtors said to me, I still remember you as the five-year-old or the 10-year-old. Right. Um, and you know, people don't forget that type of stuff. They don't forget how they you made them feel and I think there's no underestimating the power of just being yourself letting people into you as a human and you don't have to leave your kid at home with a babysitter another day because you have to go to work find a way to incorporate them into that and I will forever be grateful that my parents did that because I got to respect them as people not just as parents and now I look, I look to them, especially my mom, who is still in this industry as role models professionally, not just as my parents. So I think it opened up a whole different world for me. Well, I think you, you, you have a really great quote is that is that people work with people. And I remember you've actually said that a couple of times in, um, in, uh, at Fairway, there's a Ignite class uh, that, uh, that you run that basically teaches, you know, yeah. social and, you know, people work with people and it's just so true. And it's just so cool to hear it from you and your story coming up with it. I mean, you literally grew up doing the, the work and you mentioned earlier that, look, it was a hustle and it was seven days a week and you got to respect the hustle. Talk yeah. about that a little bit more. So like a lot of times people talk, you know, it's fun, it's fun to go to an open house, but look, what about the seven day hustle? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to know what you want and you have to know what it takes to get there. So if you want to be average, you can do average work. So you can work five days a week, nine to five, not answer your phones earlier or later, call back when you want to. If you want to have unlimited potential and be that exceptional loan officer or marketer or realtor or anything else you want to be, you have to be willing to do the things that others won't do. So you have to answer your phone at 10 o'clock at night. You have to be willing to work a Saturday and Sunday and sure, you will get to the point where you are established and you might not have to do that every Saturday and every Sunday. But when your best referral partner calls you, you pick up the phone. And I think that's what I learned to respect is that it, you do what it takes to get where you want to go. And you don't put the, well, it's not supposed to look like that in, in front of any of it. I think to add to that, I mean, it's just like, it's just more even to build off of people work with people is that, you know, these people become your friends, right? You know? There's these people that like, look, if they, they, there's here, I, my, my cell phone is not public knowledge, my actual real cell phone number, but right. there are some realtors that have my actual real cell phone number because they are really like my best friends. Like I right. really actually love these people. I go on trips and vacations with them. And it's kind of weird to think about like, does your relationship actually grow to that? Well, I would argue if it's not that, is it even a real relationship? And and it, it just allows you to go deep, and you got to you got the chance to really to really see that. So, right. where did you go to school uh, growing up? Um, to high school or to college? <laughs> well, well, uh, well. I guess I don't know. We're kind of fast forwarding quick, but it's all right. Like childhood stories. Any memorable childhood stories from grade school on to up up to oh. high school? Anything crazy? In, that's a part of your come up story? I don't think so. I think, you know, I, 
I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I, I don't think I found my own until I really hit college. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure I ever was a kid. Um, and I think my personality has always been an old soul. I've always found it easier to talk to adults than it is to talk to kids. And perhaps I just didn't find that right niche. Um, but I was always happy to spend time with my parents on the weekends, even in high school. So I think I really kind of found, fell into my own in college um, when I made the decision to actually leave home. It would have been very easy as an only child and an only grandchild on one side um, to stay at home, to go to Boston College or to BU or UMass and be a quick drive, spend time with my family. I'm incredibly close to my grandmother who's 97. And if she listens to this, she will kill me for putting that out there. But she is 97. She's an incredible human and role model. And it would have been super simple to say, I'm going to stay in New England. I'm going to make it really comfortable. And instead, I decided to not do that. And I think that was when I found I really did fall into my own. So, okay. Um, and, and grandma, so grandma didn't want you to leave. I, I take it off. So, or, or, I or think grandma did. never wants me to leave. Even when I well, go home to visit now, she says, yeah. when are you moving back here? To which I remind her, I'm not. <laughs> but she can always ask. <laughs> That's great. And she's 97. What, she's embarrassed of her age? I mean... I mean, Jimmy, a woman never tells her age. But that's pretty, I don't know. I think that's pretty epic. Hey, I'm 97. Like I would agree with you. you Honestly, when she crossed 95, she was okay with it a little bit more. Um, With us telling people how old she turned. Um, I definitely broadcast her 95th birthday. She was a little less than thrilled about that. But um, I think now she's a little bit more comfortable with us being honest because it is a cool thing. She's She's lived a lot of life. Well, that's awesome. So, okay, you get you go to college, and what college is it? What what? Yeah. D- 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 tell us about that. So, this is like an epic moment in your life too, because you're you're finally like here. You're an only child. I have to imagine. We we my wife and I were talking about this. What if you know our son Raphael was an only child, and you just got all of our attention? And we kind of decided like they'd, they'd be kind of spoiled. Like what were, were you? <laughs> Well, just because you got all of our attention, I guess, was it that? And then I guess, it, so just knowing that kind of a setup of a, at least the, I don't know, stereotype of an only child, yeah. which correct me if it's wrong, uh, two, you're released, you're going into like your own, like I got, I got to believe that that's just a really big time of your life. I talk about it. Yeah. So um, first for the stereotype, I suppose, um, was I spoiled? Yes with love, with care, with all the things I ever could need or want, 100%. But I think part of it was that, you know, my mom worked in commission. So it was, you earned what you got. And I think that was always how I was brought up is nothing is just handed to you on a silver platter, you work for what you want, you, you earn it, I throw a temper tantrum, because I'm spoiled, I'm not getting anything. So I very quickly learned that temper tantrums and acting quote unquote spoiled wasn't going to get me very far. Um, Working for what I wanted and trying really hard um, in whatever arena that was going to prove more fruitful. And, you know, they, both my parents will always say they absolutely spoiled me, but they made sure I was an appreciative spoiled child. (laughs) How, How did they do that? Honestly, how how they do that? How how they do the uh, how how they, how they make you appreciate it? I think it was a lot of delayed gratification. It was a, and again, I don't want that to sound as if it was delayed gratification in terms of um, affection. That was never held back. I got as much affection as I could ever dream of, and I was absolutely beyond spoiled in that measure. Um, but in terms of materialistic goods, it was a lot of delayed gratification. It wasn't you walk into a store and say, I want this now, or I want this toy, but finding a way to make me see that you don't get everything just because you ask for it, you get it by working for it. So whether that was working really hard on a test or a quiz or at school, or I was a dancer growing up, um, working really hard at dance or whatever it may be, um, they, it just, things weren't just handed to me and expected so that it became an expectation versus a privilege. 
And I think understanding that, and I do think that the, the, the commission mindset is helpful, right? Cause you learn, you, you get paid for what you work for. I love that. You know, you learn not to ask, but to work, you know, right. you know, that's, that's a really great concept to, to teach. And, and the reason why I'm just so I'm fascinated by that as a, as a parent myself, I think that that's difficult because I'm sure your parents could afford to buy you whatever the heck you wanted to do. But I mean, yeah, as a parent, you, you can't do that. You can't spoil your kid. And, and no one would really ever do that. Like I'm sure people do, but, or mess this up, but like, but delayed gratification. That's actually what a great, what, what a great tip. And I mean, I don't know. I'd like to think you turned out all right. You know, <laughs> I'd like to think I've turned out all right. Also, you know, <laughs> I, I think a lot of things could be different and that I could have been a spoiled only child or things of that sort. But I really, it sounds so cheesy. I really did have a per, like a pretty picture, perfect childhood. My parents are phenomenal humans. My family is wonderful. And I think they just truly taught me the values they believed in and it happened to work out. You know, I don't think everyone has the same story. I don't think every only child is the same or every child and parent relationship is the same, but I got really fortunate. And, you know, I, I owe my life and my career and so much else to two very wonderful humans. Well, that's, that's really awesome. Um, really cool to hear. Uh, talk about now college. So, yeah. uh, so, you, so, so, you went, finally, so you finally leave the picturesque, picturesque, you know, <laughs> type of type of situation. So, yeah. so what, what, what is that like? Talk, talk about what does it feel like? You know, what's your first day like? Yeah, what's it was, it was overwhelming for sure. Um, and it was, so I went to the university of Maryland. Um, and I really, I remember my parents pulling away from my dorm room after dropping me off for like that final we've moved you in moment. And I just remember thinking to myself, what now? Um, what like kind of where do I find my home? Um, I went to a, a huge university. I didn't go to a small school. I went to a giant at the time ACC sports school. I really had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and I guess lucky for me, and I was placed in a smaller freshman dorm. So I made my decision really late where I was going to go to school. I was between a few um, and I got put into a smaller freshman dorm and it made it easier to build a community really quickly. And define smaller, define smaller. how big was it? Probably 200 kids versus a thousand. Okay. Um, and maybe even less than 200, maybe 150. It was significantly smaller than your normal freshman dorm. And I'm a big believer that every single thing happens for a reason and that one decision leads to the next without you ever realizing it. Um, And so where this dorm happened to be situated was incredibly close to the campus Hillel, which for anyone listening that doesn't know, um, is the Jewish community center, basically on a university campus. And while I always was very culturally Jewish, I'm, you know, you, my youth group president, all of those things, um, I was never super religious. So the idea of going and having Shabbat dinner, not something that I was used to, but a bunch of the kids in this dorm that was why they were placed in that dorm. It was because they were going to be on kosher meal plans. So they had me go with them. And I found a community really, really fast. And again, it wasn't a religious community I found. I found a cultural community. So I got invited to doing things like Hala for Hunger, where you bake Hala's and sell them and then donate the money to those in need um, or things like that. And that decision led me to eventually joining the sorority I did, which defined the rest of my college career. So you kind of just fell into it. You're just randomly in this dorm room. Is it kind of just right. like, do you remember what specifically what it was? Was it just like, hey, there's this party. Hey, we're going to go have Shabbat dinner or whatever. What, or I, I don't know if I pronounced it right, but hey, we're doing you this did. thing. You know, let's, let, let, you want to come with? And, and you just said, yeah, sure. All right. Let's, let's yeah. Go. So the girl who lived directly next to me, um, she said she happened to be Orthodox. So she What's her name? Do you remember? What's her name? Um, her name is Abby. Um, you know, we were at each other's weddings. Like it's still, 
Um, she int actually introduced me to my husband. It was a whole, it became a whole thing. Wow. Um, but she, she was Orthodox and said, I'm going for Shabbat dinner. Do you want to join? You don't have to come to the service part, but if you want to come just for the community part afterward, please come. And I had met these two gentlemen in my first day of classes who also happened to be going. And those two men are two of my closest friends to this day. Um, one lives a block and a half from me and the other in New York, but- um, What's the names? What's the names? Brandon and Nathan. And I talked to, you know, I talked to them so often. They really helped shape that first semester of my freshman year. Um, and so I went with them. And while, again, I never fell into the really religious side of it, I did fall into the community. And as I mentioned, I joined this, th that club where the leader happened to be in the long run, my big in my sorority. And, you know, all of it tied together in a really beautiful way that took a huge school and shrunk it down pretty significantly. That's really neat. I mean, a lot of times people don't find that. I mean, it's pretty lucky that that yeah. just ended up just, just working out. So uh, it seems like this was a pivotal moment, just that whole relationship. And you said that, so Abby ends up introducing you to your husband. How, yeah. I mean, just to dig a little bit deeper into that, how did, how did that, <laughs> how did, that uh, how did you come to that? How, how did that happen? Sure. So um, they happened to live next door to each other sophomore year. Um, of college and I had moved into my sorority house at that point um, and then I, she kept saying to me there's this boy I want to introduce you to and I kept saying no um, I wasn't interested thank you but no thank you and then my junior year my first semester um, we had a sorority dated function and last minute um, my date had an exam and had to bail and so I said to Abby you know what okay fine um and so from there, you know, the rest is kind of history. And Matt showed up at my door that night and, you know, almost 10 years later, here we are. That's, that, that's, that's just amazing. And you guys are, you guys are married how, how long now? Two years. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't all sunflower, sunflowers and rainbows. We definitely were college kids for a little while, but by our, by our second semester of senior year, we both said, you know, I think this is what we really want to want to do. And um, we haven't haven't been apart since. That's I mean, that's really neat. So, I mean, OK, so all this stuff is kind of happening at the same time. What you, you mentioned that you were into like sports in 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 or you went for some sports thing. Um, what did you go for in college? Like, what did you study? What was your main? Yeah. Stuff? None of that was because of sports, but I went to a huge sports school because I wanted that college atmosphere. I wanted the, everyone goes to the football game on Saturday. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, what did I you actually... Go ahead. I thought I wanted to be a business major. Uh, I took one economics class and decided that was absolutely incorrect and decided to switch my major to communications and public relations um, and ended up graduating with a major in public relations and a minor actually in leadership studies, which was one of the very few universities that had this program. And it was, it was really cool. It taught you kind of how to lead amongst all different types of people and take all kinds of personality tests. And it, it was very interesting. So, uh, we're, so, so you do all this stuff, you basically study, you know, yeah, this personality tests. That's really cool. Leadership studies. I have to imagine yeah. that'd be a lot of fun. I never went to college, but that seems like something that I would be interested in it was um, like, very cool um and it seems like you've applied this to your today now job but what did you do right out of college did you just yeah. jump right into were you ever I guess did you, did you ever become a loan officer or did you ever do that or what, what did you do right out of college so directly out of college I um, actually went to work for a healthcare public relations firm and I quickly learned it wasn't for me um, I spent about two and a half years there um, just kind of getting my foot in the door, understanding the rotation, um, what it was like. And that was a grind. There was no, that was from morning till night, no matter what, but the grind was different. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. It didn't make me want to work harder. Um, and I believe if you're hustling in the, in the business you're meant to be in, no amount of work is annoying or, 
makes you dislike your job more. Typically I find when, at least for me, when I love what I'm doing, I don't care how hard I work. That's fine. Um, but when I so do what I'm what, doing, that's was health, <laughs> Right. Well, was healthcare just like, was it just so terrible because of all the regulation and just like, you couldn't do anything creative and you just have to do like one or two, you know, types of things. And then yeah. you like you couldn't show any creativity in it. That was part of it. Part of it was the like consistent news monitoring. You're sitting there as like an entry level PR person, just watching Google alerts come in every day. Um, and yeah, agency life is just, you're either in it or you're not, and you either love it or you don't. So for yeah. me, I didn't love that kind of, you do this while you're entry level. And I found in my current job, you do whatever you want to do that works for everybody. You, you make the path yourself versus in agency life, it was very prescriptive. Um, and that just wasn't my personality. So I spent about two and a half years there and then joined Fairway um, shortly after. So it was kind of like, you, you, you in, it seems like you joined because sky's the limit type of, mm-hmm. type of mentality. So yeah, and um, Steve Jacobson, Jake is just a big, promoter of just like here what are your self-limiting beliefs I think we, I've witnessed him on a call where he said like look I used to think that we could only do like a billion dollars and now we're looking at doing you know a hundred billion dollars and just right. like some of these nuts numbers um so how do you I guess how did you take the healthcare to was it just simply the experience of the process that you took um into mortgage or did were you always going to come into mortgage like was that just like the plan like no. Or, so what, what happened? No. <laughs> All right. Well, what so happened? I always said that I would never get into mortgages because I was part of them my whole life. I was like, that's not what I want to do. Give me fashion PR, give me sports PR, give me anything else. And what I found was that it just, what, none of it was right. And so I was looking for a new job. I had been looking for about, I don't know, four months. And my mom's regional marketing director, Betsy, called me and said, hey, we're really looking to bring on a digital marketing specialist. Would that be of interest to you? Um, You don't have to be a licensed loan officer, none of those things. You would just come and bring that kind of new age marketing. And at the time, which crazy enough was five years ago now, um, she Instagram was really just getting hot and Twitter and Facebook and all of these things were just getting really hot for business. And they wanted someone young to come in and kind of disrupt it, change the whole mindset, go from flyers to posts. Um, And I think that opportunity to kind of build something from scratch was so appealing to me. Um, so I came in and I served in that role for just over two years before I moved to my current one. So let's talk about it a little bit. How do you think you've done? How have you, how have you, uh, how have you shook the world? How, how have we, how have we as a company, how, what, where are you at? What's, and, and, and also we'll hear, what have you done and what's next? Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, um, I will never forget this conversation. I was sitting resigning at my job. Um, and my boss said to me who I will not put on blast. And I honestly respect her questioning. She said, I know how close you are to your family. I understand why you want to take a job that's in Boston because it did allow me to go back and forth, um, once a month. But, um, she said, do you, do you ever think someone's going to buy a home from, from the internet? And now look at fast forward five years, right. And think about all of the advertisement and the searching for homes and for mortgages online and the whole paradigm has shifted. And so while I still truly believe this is a relationship business, I think the process has become much more digital and the point at which the loan officer or the realtor enters the equation is most of the time after a significant bit of research. So I think when I first joined in my first role, we built out websites and pages and platforms and kind of gave um, a whole new arena to play in. Um, Everyone, all of the managers in that region 
were incredibly established and um, they were growing rapidly, but it was just, it came in and put the foundation there um, for what they really now utilize quite a bit in terms of their social digital spaces, um, because I really was focused just on social and digital. So building websites, doing all of that stuff. And then about two and a half years in, I was getting itchy. <laughs> I wanted to um, not work from home every day. Um, I wanted, I don't know, I just was ready for my next, next adventure, but I loved the industry. And there was a manager in DC who was quickly expanding and he was supposedly going to open a DC office. And so I reached out and asked if I could just work there. Um, if I could physically put my computer there um, just to leave my house a couple of times a week. And I, it was a freezing day before Thanksgiving. We met at a local coffee shop and he said, you know, I'm actually looking for a marketing director. What should I look for? Didn't try to poach me, none of it. And after the conversation, I said, you know, I am looking for kind of my next, my next step. I would be interested in moving, moving here. It would be easier. I already lived in DC. It was kind of a very logical step, but reminder, I worked for my mother. <laughs> so how do you tell your mom you're leaving her for a different region? And so I think it was kind of a beautiful, a beautiful thing. I was able to say, you know, you have a marketing director. She's not going anywhere. I think it's time. And I had the same conversation with the marketing director, who was my direct boss saying, you know, you're not, you're not retiring. I, I'm ready to kind of take on the next step. So I moved, right. I moved jobs in March of three years ago. So 2018, um, to the Mid-Atlantic and with that manager and one other SVP um, in the region kind of started building our brand um, in Maryland, DC, Virginia, and Delaware. Um, and over the last three years, you know, my goal was to not hear Fairway Who anymore when I walked in to an open house. Um, and now we don't really face that as much. We are making much more of a splash. And I think a lot of it is through brand awareness. So that's really kind of how I've approached it. And it's been building really from the ground up. Well, as a loan officer on, uh, that works at Fairway, I mean, it certainly does make it easier if, you know, the real estate agents involved, you know, I've heard of Fairway, especially when they have a pre-approval letter with your name on it. Sure. You know, the brand awareness is certainly a really important thing. And a lot of times it goes under noticed and it just kind of goes to your point. And it's only five years ago, this is being said, but do you ever think somebody's going to buy a house on the internet? I mean, the internet's been around for a while. Wow. People have been buying on the internet for long, much longer than five years ago. Right. For 10, 10 plus years, 20 years even, you know, um, that's so funny that they were just that close-minded and, and set and like set you off with, with, with that when it's just like so like abundantly clear, like, yeah, you just clearly don't see it, do you? But, right, that's the path. So, okay, so you build, you build platforms, build websites, you know, you, start, you, you uh, get, you know, a good, a good base set up for, for Fairway. Uh, you end up leading the Mid-Atlantic region. And now, now what's next? Where do you see, you know, where do you see Fairway? Where do you, where do you see marketing? Um, you know, what's, what, what's the future? Yeah. So I think for me, marketing, effective marketing is educated marketing. So I did, you know, you asked me earlier, are you a licensed loan originator? Technically, I suppose the answer is yes. Um, I believed that it was very important um, for me to understand this business to market it. So I had a tremendous amount of childhood knowledge. Um, I took a class upon higher date to Fairway. Um, through one of our mortgage insurance companies, sat through it, kind of went over my head, but understood enough of it to kind of propel myself. And then in, I want to say, I don't know, October, I got my license um, because I just believe if you know what you're talking about, you can help people better. <laughs> so well, while I am never yeah. going to originate my loan alone ever, that is not my intention. I was not, that isn't why I did it. I just believe 
that to go through the process. Now I can talk to someone about going through the process in a whole new way. What'd you get on the test? A 95. (laughs) Are you serious? You got a 95? I did. (laughs) I know one other person that did that and he's he's on my team. His his name's Will Hall. And that's really incredible, actually. Like, again. Either a 90 or a 95, somewhere in that range. I want it somewhere between a 90 and a 95. I was hoping I was higher than you, but you know, just like, <laughs> let's just go with I'm lower than 95. That's but, you can but, just blame it on the fact that like this was 28 years in the making. Well, in the like truth, I studied like, for 28 years. When I took it, it was when the first test came out. The failure rate was 65 percent, and amongst loan officers, licensed forever, and there was no study material because nobody knew what was going to be on the test. So right. I kind of took it expecting to fail. But anyway, it's just that's actually truthfully that is incredible. That you care enough about your job to get licensed because the truth is there's people that are in this industry right now that do it every day that can't pass the test because it is a really hard test. True. Yeah. I don't know what the failure rate is today, but it's um it's super high. But anyway, I'm 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 sorry, I'm bloviating about your test scores because no, just, you're fine. So what's next? Uh, you you were you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so I think what's next is a really hard question. I think right now I love my job. I see myself at Fairway forever. Um, this is, this job has no limits. You can do with whatever you want. And I think as my region continues to grow, there's so much additional ability to grow myself. So, you know, right now we're firing on all cylinders from the lead gen space and the true advertising space to the public relations, which a lot of people, what's the difference? One is earned and one is paid. So one, I pay you to put my information out there and one, I earn that place. Um, so from that paid space to that earned space, um, building relationships and showing all of who we are as people um, has been incredible. And this past summer, we brought on a full-time member to my team. Um, so Michaela is now with me. Um, every single day. And she runs all of our graphics and a tremendous amount of our social now. Um, And I think really for us, it's to keep on doing what we're doing, to keep showing people who we are. And in our region, we really go by we're people first. Um, So all of that means simply get to know us, get to know us as humans. We're mothers, we're daughters, we're friends, we're sisters, we're fathers, all of the things. Um, we're homeowners, get to know us as people before you worry about what we do as for, for work. Eventually that'll come out. And I think really my job will continue to be teaching people how to put themselves out there in a way that's relatable and attainable. Because for a lot of people, I think you hear you're a loan officer, and you say, what is that? What does that mean? What do, what do you actually do? Um, and the more we can explain that for our loan officers, the more we can put out YouTube content and website content and all of that stuff that helps with that, the less of a battle they have. And well, think, there are less restrictions for them. Yeah. And I mean, I think we talk about this on, on my team a lot, you know, if, and just to, to play on the relationships uh, piece that you're talking about is that, you know, people know you, like you, or, you know, and, and trust you, they're probably going to do business with you. Right. But it starts with, they have to know you, you know, it starts right there. So, so do they even know who the heck you are? And that's why brand awareness is so really, right. it's, it's, it's the number one thing towards your, you know, build towards a strong relationship where, right. you know, business happens. Uh, talk about yeah. podcasting for a minute. So uh, you have uh, homegrown uh, it, 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 it's for housing professionals, market for housing professionals. And I'm a fan. I'm, uh, uh, you can see my name in, in one of the five-star <laughs> reviews, which by the way, you know, we, we appreciate those five-star reviews. You know, all you got to do is, you know, hit, you, you hit pause, by the way, on, on, on your Apple podcast, just scroll down a little bit. You tap the five. It's real easy. I, you know, and, and you know, you, you, you'd, you'd appreciate that too, Sarah, but, uh, Absolutely. but, but anyway, talk about your podcast and what, what really, I, I want to talk about what your, um, you know, goals are for, 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 for the listener, what the audience is, and then back end to, you know, a podcaster, I guess, somebody that 
you know, might have their own podcast or want to launch one, I guess, what have your, you know, what, what, what advice would you give and what would you, uh, what would you say have been the results in your personal life because of it? Sure. Um, so I think <laughs> Marina and I, so I do the podcast with Marina Kowaleski, who, um, happens to be the marketing and biz dev person directly working for my mom, but she's also a dear friend. Um, and she took my job when I moved to the Mid-Atlantic and then transitioned um, to working solely for my mom. But the two of us have always called each other and said, have you seen this? Or can you believe this marketing thing happened? We've always kind of been each other's sounding boards. We would edit each other's content, all of that kind of stuff. And when the pandemic hit and we were kind of stuck in our houses and we couldn't really communicate the same way we used to. Her and I also used to meet whenever I would be in Boston, we would sit and talk and, you know, we were just each other's sounding boards. And we said, you know, let's do it. Let's just dive off the deep end. We'll let's have these conversations recorded and we'll put it out there and we'll see if it, if it works. Um, so for us, really the goal was to help housing professionals understand that marketing isn't so hard that, right being your authentic self is all that you need to do to really market. And so I think that was really our goal. Our goal was just to make it a little bit more relatable for people, let people realize it wasn't a full-time job to be on social media. Um, it should be part of your full-time job, but it definitely doesn't have to do be everything for you. Um, and we kind of just have our sounding board conversations recorded now. And it's been, it's been fun. Even if the week is hectic, we allow ourselves that 30 minutes to just talk to each other. And right. it's not, it's not so much of a time suck because we're really just having the same conversations we would have had um, about what platforms we're using, why we like them and how we can do it better. What, uh, what have your, I guess, what have your results been from the standpoint of like, not necessarily in how many listens do you get or whatever. It's more yeah. so like, what have you seen as results of just having a podcast and uh, I guess the attention you get or, uh, or, or the action that you get that's, that, that, that comes from it? I think we get a lot of questions. So we hear a lot of people say to us, you know, you made it sound really simple, but it's still really confusing to me. What, what are your first two steps in making this work? And so I think it's gotten people to think about marketing more. Um, and that it, it, it's making people understand in our industry, at least a little bit that they, they can do it too. Um, so today we recorded a podcast all about clubhouse because everyone's talking about it. And is it as overwhelming as it sounds to people? No. Um, it's are you really, on clubhouse? Are, are you doing, are I you, am on clubhouse. Are you, are you a fan? You know, I think it's interesting. I think it's new and it's different and there's a space to make a huge wave. Um, there's a lot of real estate content. There's very little mortgage content. So I do think that there's a huge space um, to make a pretty big impact. I agree. I'm going to be really interested to see how people use it to get a lot of followers. I'm on it too. Uh, yeah. I think I'm at Jimmy Ryan. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll put the, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll have to add that to the link tree. We'll add our, our if, clubhouse to our link tree. Exactly. That's if KJ lets me though. KJ will be like, no, you're not going to. I think he's <laughs> which is which is another thing are you anti anything like tiktok why won't you be on it interesting that's a good question um i anti tiktok for work um okay. i am pro tiktok for entertainment okay um but on the flip side i'm very pro instagram reels for work um i think that tiktok is skewing really young. Um, and you, while it's easy to make yourself or easier to make yourself go viral on TikTok, the, the average viewer is not then calling you for a mortgage. Um, I also personally don't love like the lack of clarity around your data. Um, I, you know, it's just not, just not necessarily for me in terms of business doesn't mean that it shouldn't be for you. Um, but I do tell people that if they're already using Instagram and they like TikTok, that they should be spending their time on Instagram reels because it's the exact same thing. 
and it will push your followership and your content engagement through the roof because you're now using Instagram for all it's worth, not just one segment or the other. So I would say that's really the only thing I'm anti. Um, As a whole package, I'm anti biting off more than you can chew. Um, If you're on no social media, please don't go join 25 things today. Um, Pick one, get really good at it, and then add more. Um, But in general, I think different platforms work for different people, different niches, um, and try it out, see what works for you kind of thing. I think there's one other thing I would add is that, and we've got a lot, we've, you and I have talked about this a lot, is that the biggest yeah. thing, biggest thing is consistency. If you don't have consistency, yeah. it ain't going to work, period. Nope. It's got to be consistent. That is the only way it's going to work. And if you're not consistent, I wouldn't even do it. So like, for instance, when you set up to do a podcast, don't look at it like, hey, I'm going to measure my results, you know, at my one or two or three episodes. You have right. to be like, look, I'm going to do a hundred episodes and then I'm going to look, look back and figure out what I can do. And, uh, and that's really hard for people to do, to commit to that. that really hard. But I think it's ultimately the only way to do it. What would you say to that? Would you, would you agree? Wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's, I see, I'm also a huge part of our onboarding process. And I see um, so many new loan officers come into the region and say, okay, here are 75 things I'd like to do today. And I always make them, you know, take 25 steps back. How about you tell me two things for marketing you really want to do and let's get you doing those consistently. And then we can add the other 73. But for now, let's just stick to those two. Um, And most times I have the loan officer come back to me in six months and say, thank you for not allowing me to go into technology overdrive because it would be so easy to do that and then forget to do the loan part. Um, But I think consistency is the only magic so like formula um people always ask what's the silver bullet what's your magic formula to make social media work there isn't one other than consistency and i think well i should shouldn't say that there's two stop selling and be consistent so stop putting out just like salesy images all of that stuff oh my god it's not gonna work oh my god it's just not gonna work like if your story or if everything that you do is a hundred percent business, a hundred percent of the time, like, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to watch that. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm Correct. not going to engage. And then I'm just never going to engage. And then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Me and you make fun of people a lot on that, Sarah. I just it drives me crazy. It's my biggest pet peeve. Um, you want to casually incorporate what you do. Stop yeah. selling. Right. I don't, I never want to be sold to. I don't want to be sold to when I walk into a store, you know, that salesperson that follows you around and says, do you need help 25 times? No, No. I don't need help. I'll ask you when I do. And I think it's the same thing with social media. People aren't coming there to have a salesperson follow them around. They're there to get to know people, to see what's going on in someone's life. And when they have a question, they'll ask. They want, they want to know what to do, but they want, they don't want that all to be what it is. They want to see you with your kids. They want to see you, you know, Hey, I got a flat tire today. Hey, I'm, I, the snow outside, you know, yeah. Um, or, or whatever it is. So, okay. Uh, Sarah, I want to be super respectful of your time. I really yeah. have enjoyed, you know, everything here. And I, I, there's a few questions that we ask every guest. So I'm going to sure. run right through these. So the first one is, <clears throat> do you feel like you ever had a big break? Yeah, I would say probably when Brian and Kim gave me the job in the Mid-Atlantic, that was my big break. Um, I don't think it was drastic. It was, or, you know, if you wrote it down on paper, it wouldn't look life-changing. But I think together, the two of them changed my life and my career. That's, uh, yeah, definitely a huge, a huge moment in your life. Yeah. Was there ever a time, Sarah, you thought about giving up? I don't think so. I think that, you know, I, I haven't had a tremendous amount of trouble in my life. Things have been really wonderful. Um, and I've never been scared of hard work. So I, I don't think I ever felt like giving up. Um, I think I thought maybe I should change direction or maybe I should start over um, on something specific. And personally, I think it's okay to start over. It's okay to fail. It's okay to do all of those things. But hard hasn't ever meant bad for me. Um, one of my bosses always says pressure is a privilege. And I think that he's spot on. Um, 
the pressure to succeed, the pressure to live up to the expectation, it's a true privilege. And I don't think I've ever said, you know, I should just quit. Yeah, you don't strike me as, as, as that, that type at all. And I mean, it seems like, like look, you've mentioned this a bunch of times. Hey, I had a, pit, I had a picturesque, you know, uh, childhood yeah. and growing up and, and seen, but it's not like you were shy to work either. It's not like you no. just, you're grateful, you know? And it's, I think that there's a big, big difference with that. Uh, okay, great. If you were to do it all over again, Sarah, what would you change? I think I'd be less resistant to this industry. So, you know, for me, I think I always thought prior to getting into it that mortgages were about financing and were about calculators and math. And like I said, one economics class and I changed majors. Um, So I think if I had been less resistant, I would have realized that this industry is about helping people. This industry is a person business. And I would have started immediately out of school. Um, this this has been um, an eye opening and incredible opportunity. And you know, if you could, I think people always say, like, do you wish you could have started it earlier? And absolutely, I would have started it fresh out of college at twenty two um, versus at twenty four. That's a really really great answer. So less resistant to the industry as a whole. Yeah. What, just one one quick thing. What did you what what was different about it? What did you did you learn it right away? Was it like, hey, this is completely different right away? You were in it. I mean, you're in it every day. What did you learn right away that was different? Just like the feeling of the marketing aspect and how fun it is or how fun it can be? Or was it just yeah. like did that actually open up to you your first day? I think it probably wasn't my first day. I think it was talking to loan officers and hearing them tell their stories. So I helped this person get out of this really tough situation or I helped this couple buy their first home or whatever it was, or watching my friends buy their first homes for the first time and hearing about that experience. You know, I was a homeowner with Fairway. I've, I've been through the process in, on both sides at this point. And I think when I started to hear the stories and the impact, it became very clear that this wasn't about the calculator and it was all about the life impact we were making on someone else, whether it's on the purchase side or the refinance side, saving money or investing in their dream home or whatever it might be. Um, There's just so much power in this industry that is so much more than rates and, you know, calculations. It's really, it's a person's story. You're a part of that. And that is so incredible. And, you know, my mom always said she would have been a social worker if she thought she could leave it at work. And I've always felt very similarly. If I thought that I could be less invested in people, um, I would probably have gone down a similar path of, you know, let people tell me all their problems. And I think, you know, she says this all the time. And I think it's so true. You know, you become a social worker in this job, and you get to help people through these huge, huge, huge things. And, on the marketing side, my whole job is telling that story. So it's really quite impressive to watch the loan officers do that every day and so impactful for me to be a tiny part of telling that story. Yeah, we are we are certainly are a lot of times people's therapists more than we are their, <laughs> than we are their, their loan exactly. officers. Exactly. And that's so cool because it takes some people, honest to God, there's some loan officers that don't ever get to that why ever in their career and they maybe get out yeah. of it. But I tell you what, you're not in it, in it for a really long time and, and that's not your why. You have a story where that's, where that's you know, the truth, where you took them through something crazy. Um, okay, yeah. that's great. So uh, last question to set it up. Um, you know, there is a, uh, I, I, I'd like to say a young Sarah Rubin out there, you know, <laughs> she has, uh, you know, she's, she's maybe an only child. Maybe she's going to college for her first time. What, you know, and, and maybe she's just breaking out, you know, she's making her first steps, you know, in, into whatever career it is, um, you know, doing something crazy with, with fairway, whatever it is. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done? Don't be afraid to go, the path that most are telling you won't work. So, you know, whether my boss said to me at the time, you know, no one's ever going to look for mortgages online. I could have, I could have believed her. I could have stayed in healthcare PR and been very cozy. Um, But I think the path of let's open up this industry 
kind of to the 21st century, right? Let's stop taking paper 1003s. Let's start advertising on Instagram and kind of going that route and being okay that there might be some trees in the way and you might have to cut them down and clear a path for yourself. I think that's okay. And go that route. And I know it's so cheesy to say, like, don't be afraid of the path of least resistance. But like, I just think if you go where there's some resistance, where you have to try things differently, it's really so much rewarding, more rewarding when you get there. Um, And when you can say, you know, Instagram was a risk, but it's working or, you know, anything else. That's, that's fire. I love that. Uh, all right, Sarah, that was, that was great to end on. Uh, and I want to just uh, thank everyone. Uh, you know, if you've made it this far for listening, you know, you must've thought that this has been nothing short of amazing. And, uh, and Sarah, I want to especially thank you for coming on. Uh, and if thank anybody you. would like to uh, connect with Sarah, uh, Sarah, what, what are ways that uh, uh, people can connect for, with, with you? Yeah, so the easiest way probably is to follow me on Instagram. Um, It is at Sarah Elise Rubin. Um, But also from right there, you can get to my link tree. You can go to my link tree directly. It's just linktr.ee backslash Sarah Rubin. All right, perfect. And we're going to put the uh, links to that in the podcast. And uh, Sarah, we just, we really do. We appreciate you so much uh, for being on. And, uh, you know, we appreciate those five-star reviews, uh, you know, on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> on iTunes, you know, you can just, you know, just open up the thing and just tap it. It's real easy. Uh, that's how we, that's, that's how we, you know, really advance our, our, our cause here. And, uh, we really do, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, really do appreciate that. All right. Uh, this has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And again, if you want to support the show, please tell a friend, uh, write that five-star review, hit that subscribe button. All those things help us make a huge difference in reaching more people. Once again, I'm Jim Ryan. Thanks again for listening. Many more stories on the way.